Well, um, it's four Sundays to Christmas. And um, so the four Sundays before Christmas are called Advent. It technically doesn't start till next Sunday, but we're starting at this Sunday because of the Sunday, our Christmas service lands on the fourth Sunday of Advent. And anyway, we don't stick to tradition around here, if you've not noticed. Anyway, so we're tweaking it a little bit. And um, usually the four Sundays of Advent, I can't remember what order they go on, apart from the first one is hope, joy, peace, and love. That might be the order, something like that. And the, first, the, the phrase Advent, if you remember as a kid having an Advent calendar, you, know, you opened up the little window and you got a little bit of chocolate or something like that. Usually horrible, tasteless chocolate anyway, but it was wrapped up looking like a Santa Claus or something, which made it exciting, you know? And um, so <clears throat> the word Advent is the run up to the arrival of Jesus Christ in his birth, okay? And um, so sometimes people refer to the second coming of Christ as the second advent because the first coming of Christ was the first advent. So that's what advent means and what it's about. And today I want to talk about the subject of hope because the whole idea is that in the weeks, in the, in the run-up to Jesus being born, God's people had a sense of hope a sense of expectation that the ancient prophecies would be fulfilled, that the time was drawing near, that everything was dovetailing together, pointing to the fact that they were living in the, the time that the Messiah would appear. And so they had this sense of expectation, this sense of hope. And hope is a very important part of our faith. Hope is different from faith. Just like love is different from faith, joy is different from faith, hope is different from faith. Sometimes people mix up the two terms. But hope is something that all humans have, and hope is something, it's when you are hoping for something that you do not yet have. So faith is a little bit different. So for instance, I have faith that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord and He's forgiven me and that I've been born again. I have faith about all of that. It's not that I don't yet have that. I do have it. I've experienced it. I'm a new creation in Christ. Now, I have a hope that one day I will get to heaven. The reason it's called a hope is because it's not yet happened. It is future tense. But hope, hope isn't something weaker than faith. Hope isn't like, oh, well, I sure hope it happens, but I don't know. You know, so we tend to, we tend to you know, like the, the meaning of words tends to change over time. Like, um, like when I was young, if somebody told me that a roller coaster was totally sick, I would have thought that meant you vomited when you were on it. <laughs> but then the meaning of the word sick seemed to change over time, right? And um, let me give you an example. In Scotland, and it's especially amongst older people, it must be an old Scottish thing, um, often people use the word doubt to mean the exact opposite of what it means. If they think it's going to rain, which doesn't take much, it rains all the time in Scotland, but if they think it's going to rain, they look out the window and they say, ah, I doubt it's going to rain today. 
They don't doubt it, they believe it. But, and everybody knows that's what they mean. Um, um, and so we've done the same with hope. Somehow or other, the word hope has come to mean it would be nice if it happened, but the chances of it are very slim. All we've got is a hope and a prayer. Church, if all you've got is a hope and a prayer, you've got everything you will ever need because God will come on the scene in response to a hope and a prayer, okay? And we all have had that experience of having our hopes dashed at times and knowing how disappointing that is. Now, if you have your hopes dashed and you feel disappointed, then doesn't that tell you that like, if hope meant it's not really going to happen, there wouldn't be much of a disappointment. You were never expecting it in the first place. But the fact that you're disappointed is because hope is an eager expectation. It's looking forward to something. The Bible talks about getting your hopes dashed. It talks about it in Proverbs. It, it, well, I don't know why I'm looking at this. It's not even at the right page. It, it, says, it, it says it in my first verse, Proverbs. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. But when a wish comes true, but a wish come true fills you with joy. How many of you remember being a kid and hoping for a certain Christmas present at Christmas? And you were all excited about it. I remember one year I saw this present that I really wanted. I feel bad lying to you, so I'm not going to lie to you. The real present was a Death Star, but we don't have a Death Star here, so I'm changing the story, okay? We were going to make it. I really wanted an army kit. An army kit. I saw this box, and it had in it a walkie-talkie, and a this, and a that, and all the things, this army kit. And I wanted this army kit. And then on Christmas, I woke up, and here were the presents under the box. And here was one of the presents here, nice and wrapped up with snowmen on it, and little bits of snow, I mean, all Christmassy to get you excited. I mean, the snowmen even have happy faces. There's something exciting in this box. I remember as a kid, I would open up my presents and I would put, and it was a Lego. Another Lego. I know it looks pretty cool on the picture in the box, but you know what's going to happen to the Lego? It's just going to get emptied into the big Lego box. The dog's going to chew half of them. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. I didn't want Lego. I wanted an army kit. But then something else happens at Christmas time as well. Aunts and uncles and grannies and grandpas give you not wrapped up presents, but quite often they give you little envelopes. <laughs> and when you open the envelopes up, you find money inside it. And you go to the Boxing Day sale with your money. And when the dream comes true, it fills you with joy. Sometimes in life, 
we are hoping for something, we are praying for something, we are believing for something, and there can be hints along the way that we are getting there, but when we unwrap the thing that we were hoping for, sometimes our hopes are dashed. I know you think you found Prince Charming and you went on four dates with him and then found out he was a total jerk. I hope you didn't unwrap him first. <laughs> the right one's out there someplace. The right one is, when God's got something for you, the right one's out there someplace. And often it doesn't come the way that you think it will come. Sometimes it comes another way because hope doesn't dictate to God how he's going to do it. Hope is simply a wish, a dream, uh, an aspiration that we give over to God and say, I don't know how it's going to come about, when it's going to come about, who it's going to come about through, but my eager expectation is my life is going to get better and better and better because I am partnering with God. And when God is for you, who can be against you? And so when you've got God on your side, you have hope. And anyway, God doesn't give you the wrong present. Your parents bought you the Lego because they couldn't afford the other thing. But God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Look, what it, look at my next verse. Look what it says. It says, Matthew 7, Would any of you who are fathers give your son a stone when he asks for bread? Or would you give him a snake when he asks for a fish? So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... Say the, the rest with me. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? We can have hope that our life will improve as we work together with God and partner with him in our life because he only gives good gifts. He doesn't give snakes and scorpions and scary things into our life. He meets our needs, he encourages us, he blesses us, refreshes us, strengthens us, provides for us, forgives us, heals us, gives us inner peace, fills us up to overflowing and walks with us through life. You can have hope that things are going to be better in your future than they've been in your past. So here's three brief points about hope. And as we look at that, I want you to just think about how this applies in your life today. Let's look at point number one. Put my next one up. Hope is future focused. Future focused. Say that with me. Hope is future focused. Now, faith isn't. Faith is now focused. When you, Jesus said, talking about praying in faith, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, faith can move the mountains in your life, right? And he said, when you pray in faith, you don't believe that you will receive in the future. You believe that you have received when you ask. You might not see it yet, but faith believes now. But hope sets the future goal. It's kind of like this, your heating system. We are in heating season, okay? 
We need the, the heating on in your home at this point. Or you could make it air conditioning in the summertime. Although this summer, we didn't have it on much. But anyway, so air conditioning or heating, your HVAC system, right? Hope is like the thermostat. And faith is like the furnace. Let's say it's 19 degrees in your house and you want it to be 22. You go to the thermostat and you turn it to 22. You have set the future goal. It now says that it's 22. Or maybe you just say, Alexa, turn it to 22, right? <laughs> and so it now says 22, but that doesn't mean that it feels 22 yet. It only feels 19. But the thermostat has set the future goal. That is hope. And the furnace down in the engine room, where Scotty is and all of that, in the engine room, the furnace suddenly, that's faith, which is fueled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. The furnace comes on and will gradually bring the house to the temperature that you've set the... Hope is future focused and faith is what brings the hope to come to pass. Look what God says. I alone know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not... I don't know where people got this idea that God is like sitting on a cloud with a big stick. You know, swatting people. Naughty boy. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to swat you with a big stick or harm you in any way. Look at this. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. Do you hope for a better future? Do you, do you have hope in your heart that, like it says in the book of Proverbs, the path of the righteous is like the noonday sun. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter until it reaches the full light of day. Your life, might, you, you might start off in darkness. Sometimes you might even go through trials where you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but you keep walking. You don't camp there. You keep walking. Because God is leading your life down a path that gets brighter and brighter like the noonday sun. God's plans for you are to prosper you and not to harm you, to bring about the future that you hope for. Hope is future focused. And then it, all say, it says in um, Romans 8, it says this, we were given this hope when we were saved. So when you put your faith in Christ, something clicked into place. Your thermostat suddenly got turned up. Your expectation for what life should be like and what it's all about and what you're here for and what your purpose is and, and, and what your future is going to be like and what your future after this life is going to be like, all of a sudden you went from like minus seven to 45 degrees. 
that hope was set. You might not be experiencing it all yet. You've got a lot of maturing and growing and all of that spiritually to do in life, but you've, you've set your thermostat to the higher level. The hope, you received it when you were saved. Now, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. So hope is future focused. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Not just patiently, but patiently and confidently. Sometimes again, when we change the meaning of words, we think of patience as being like weakness. I'm just gonna hang. You know, it's like you're sitting eating your Christmas dinner and your dog is sitting patiently. (laughs) It has hope in its heart. But the dog isn't all that confident. It doesn't know for sure. that. But listen, we are not dogs begging it for the scraps from God's table. We are his sons and daughters, and he has welcomed us to the banquet. He prepares a banquet for us in the presence of our enemies, and our cups overflow. So we, can, we not only wait patiently for the good things that God has planned for our lives to come to pass, we also wait confidently because we know that God, who has started a good work in us, will absolutely, definitely, surely bring it to completion in our lives. That's why it says in Hebrews, now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen. I have a hope in my heart that things are going to happen in my future. I don't yet see it happening in the real world, but I have that hope in my heart. And faith, hope is future, but faith is now. Now faith is. What kind of faith? Not tomorrow faith, next week faith. I know I'm playing on the words here, but still, now faith. Now faith means that our hopes, our future dreams will come to pass. Faith is future focused. My second point about hope. Hope can be increased. If you feel that your hope is weak, if you feel that maybe your hopes have been dashed, hope deferred makes the heart sick, or the translation we read, when a hope, when a hope is crushed, your heart is crushed, Maybe you've been there and you need to fill yourself up with fresh hope. Hope can be increased. It says it can be increased in two ways. One way, as we read the scriptures and let their promises fill our hearts, they give us hope. And the second way, as we pray and ask God to fill us with hope, he fills us with hope by the Holy Spirit. Right now, we are reading the scriptures, and the scriptures are imparting hope. In a few minutes when we finish this, we're going to stand together and we're going to pray that God will fill us with hope. Those are the two ways. Romans 15 says, everything that was written in the past, meaning in the Bible, in the scriptures, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. As we read the encouraging promises of God in the scriptures, 
it imparts hope to us. It's almost like, you know, you're, you're, you're low on blood and you're taken to the hospital and you're given a blood transfusion and it comes in and it begins to fill your body with new life. You know, get connected to God through his word and through his spirit and allow God to fill you with a transfusion of fresh hope. Not only the scriptures, but prayer. Look at this prayer of Paul's. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't just want you to have a little bit of hope inside you. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Just a, a little light bulb. It's not very much. That's the start. But the prayer here is that you will overflow with hope. It'll be pouring. I mean, you're, you're going to be splashing it onto everyone around you. You're contagious. You get amongst people that are down in the mouth and moaning minis and, and, and depressed Debras and all kinds of things. You get around them, and instead of their bad mood affecting you, you infect them with hope. You're infectious. It's overflowing. It can be increased. My third last point is this. You will need and use hope forever. I've never heard anybody mention this before. But like, this is it's quite clear to me. You will need hope forever and you will use hope forever. You will also need and use faith forever. Sometimes we think that the only thing that will last forever is love. We kind of think, well, when we die and we leave our body and we go through that tunnel and we see Jesus at the end and we go in and he says, welcome into your father's house and then we go, it's going to be love. God's love is going to be there. God is love and, and it's going to be wonderful and heaven is going to be filled with love. But you're not just going to be floating about on a cloud being filled with love, because love isn't the only thing that lasts forever. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. Now, the greatest of these is love, but there'll still be faith and hope. Now, I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing in heaven, but it sounds to me like we're going to be doing something that we need hope for and we need faith for. It sounds to me like even when you're in heaven, you will be able to hope for future things and believe for things to happen and see them come to pass. In other words, it's not that you arrive in heaven and you go, wow, and I'm in awe for a couple of days, and then after that it's just normal and I'm kind of scuffing about heaven. There is always going to be some new adventure to go on, some new world to discover, some new dimension to learn about. There's always going to be something new. Have, have you ever been to this realm, this part of heaven? No, I've never been there. I didn't even know there was one. I want to go there now. Oh, I'm, now I've got hope in my heart that we're going to go and do something. It's going to be a journey of adventure. There's going to be hopes, and none of them are ever going to be dashed. They'll all be fulfilled. You're going to need hope forever, so get practicing now. Get practicing now. It's like you're going in for the the Mr. Universe competition, but you've never even been to the gym once. You're going to fail when that comes. 
Start working out now. Start working out your hope muscles now. Start to imagine and visualize and dream of a better life and a better future now and begin to then pray in faith and partner with God and see God work in your life. Sometimes when you're in a dark, dark place in life and it feels like your hope's been extinguished, it can take the smallest thing to suddenly spark fresh hope. I was going to read you a story, but I don't know where it is. It's in here somewhere. It would take me ages. So I'm going to tell you, but I'm not going to be able to tell it as well as I would have read it. So I read this story recently about this. It was a man that was telling the story about when he was a young boy, and he was in grade six, seven, and eight. When um, when he was in his mother, growing up, his mother was an alcoholic. And eventually that led to his parents getting divorced. And he continued to live with his mother though. And in grade eight, he basically babysat his mother every single night. Which meant that he failed every single test and exam that he did in grade eight. So at this point, his father and the principal of the school spoke to each other and thought, we need to do something to help this boy. And they decided to send, they, they came up, the principal suggested, and the father looked into it, and they came up with this uh, boarding school to send him to. Boarding school for kids who had problems. Now, that doesn't sound very hopeful. In fact, that immediately conjures up images of like, Charles Dickens and Scrooge and horrible boarding schools where boys are beaten and things like that. But, and, and in the boy's heart, his heart sank as much as he knew that he was emotionally and spiritually dying in the situation he was in. It was really fearful, this idea of being sent away to a boarding school. And they chose one as far away from his mother as possible. First day in the boarding school, they're all ushered into this big assembly hall. And this man got up on the stage, can't remember his name, it's in, the, it's in here somewhere. We'll call him Frank, okay? Frank gets up on the stage, and um, this boy sitting next to the young lad elbows him and says, that guy, this guy here, Frank, is the chief disciplinarian in this school. You do not want to ever get involved with him. Steer as far away from him. Everybody's scared of him. So Frank got up and he leant on the podium and he gave out the rules. He said, we've got rules at this school. No smoking, no drinking, and no fraternizing with the town girls. And if anyone is caught off campus, they'll be held to pay and as well as that, I personally will kick your ass. It actually said that in the story. I did, okay, I remember that. I didn't just add that in. <laughs> I remember reading it and thinking, oh great, I'll get to see kick your ass in church. That'll be good. <laughs> and then he lowered his voice a little bit and said, but if any of you have any problems, my door is always open. And then he walked off. 
Well, the boy, the story goes that the boy began to settle into the school, but his mother never left him alone. She called him every day and every night on the phone, called the dormitory, the phone out in the corridor, and he had to go out there, and everybody could hear it, and she was drunk every night, and every day, and she was pleading with him to quit school and come home, drop out of school and come home. Every day she asked him that, and he loved his mother, and like he felt torn in two directions, and he didn't know what to do. So one day he was sitting in a class, and there was another teacher up the front, and he was just totally consumed by all of this. He felt completely hopeless. He felt like, like, I can't picture anything better ever happening in my future. It's just going from bad to worse. And then he put his hand up and uh, said to the teacher, can I be excused from the class? And the teacher said, why? And he said, I, I, I want to go to Frank's office, or Mr. Frank, we'll call him. I want to go to Mr. Frank's office. And the teacher had a look of panic and said, why, what have you done? And he said, I haven't done anything, but I need to speak to him. And the teacher said, are you sure you wouldn't rather stay and talk to me about this instead? And he said, no, I must go to Mr. Frank's office. And he said, on you go then. And so he said he went down to discover a long line of nervous-looking boys outside Frank's office. And he could hear Frank shouting at the top of his lungs at one of the boys, you were seen with a town girl smoking behind the cafe. And, he's, and all the boys are nervous and so on. And the, the boys who are waiting outside say to him, what, are you, what did you do? And he said, nothing. And they said, well, what are you doing here? Run, quick. Eventually, it's his turn. And he goes into the office and Frank says to him, what are you doing here? And he said, the boy said, you said at the beginning of term that if ever we needed somebody to talk to, to come to you. And he said, sit down. He closed the door. And the young boy burst into tears. He was, he was humiliated. He'd never wanted to burst into tears in front of this man whom he thought of as a big bully, authoritarian type person. He burst into tears and said, my mother is an alcoholic. And he began to tell this man all the story. And then as he writes the story, he says, the man came round and put his hand on his shoulder and said to him, young man, I understand what you're going through. You see, I'm an alcoholic too, <clears throat> although I have been sober for 10 years. And right now today, I am going to contact my friends in Alcoholics Anonymous and get them to visit your mother and start your mother on the pathway to sobriety. And that was exactly what happened. But what was really interesting was this. Years later, as he's writing this story, the man said that when he was this young boy, he said, when that scary man put his hand on my shoulder and told me everything was going to be okay, I felt like God had put his hand on my shoulder. I felt that I had been touched by God. 
And all of a sudden, the dark clouds rolled away and hope came into my heart that my life was going to get better. People, we not only need to be people with hope in our hearts, we need to be so overflowing with hope that even the touch of our hand or a few short words from us are going to impart not discouragement, not doubt, not fear, but is going to impart hope and brightness and light into the lives of other people. Hey, God has brought hope into our lives. How about if we now open ourselves up to let God use us as his instruments so that we can bring hope into other people's lives. You might feel, but I'm not a good Christian. I'm messed up and screwed up and I've got addictions that I'm dealing with and I've got anger management problems and people are scared of me. Even that big scary man's hands felt like the loving, hope-filled hands of God to that young boy. Do you think God could use you? Do you think God could use you as an instrument of his hope, his love, and his peace, especially this Christmas time when so many people feel like they're without hope, they're without family members. So many people in this world feels that, feel like no one loves them, nobody cares about them, no one even knows them. Maybe brushing against somebody in the line for a turkey at Safeway could be a divine appointment where someone who's on the verge of bursting into tears with hopelessness and despair discovers the light and the love of Jesus Christ shining out of your face, coming out of your words, giving them warmth, giving them encouragement, and bringing the spirit of Christmas into their life. How about that? Wouldn't that be good? Let's all stand together. Come on, let's stand. Let's pray about that now. We've looked to the scriptures. It says that as we read the scriptures and the, the encouragement that they bring, it gives us hope. And then it also said that not only do the scriptures give us hope, but prayer does. When we can pray that the God of all hope will fill us to overflowing. That's what we're going to do right now. Come on, let's lift our hands up high. And let's say together, Father God, I come to you today as your child with expectation in my heart I know you're a good God you give good gifts today I ask you for the gift of hope fill me with hope positive expectation encouragement fill me to overflowing may I spread hope and cheer to everyone I meet in the name of Jesus.